Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber, joined today, as always, by Logan Whitmer, back from his Vegas trip, and John Doyle, still cleaning out stuff. On today's episode number 113, we're going to talk about some odd stuff we have in our shop, some tool updates, old tools, a little project help, and more. Hope you stick around and enjoy the show. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Right now, you can try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. I want to say thanks to everybody who... Uh, leaves comments on our YouTube channel or sends us an email. I want to read a couple of those here today. Uh, Craig from last week's episode writes, as a professional woodworker slash furniture maker, many of my customers come to me with photographs of existing products and ask me to make something similar for them. Usually the, the dimensions need to be altered or a different color, wood species, or drawers instead of a drawer, a door, etc. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Uh, Michael writes, something I discovered for refinishing wood years ago is Howard's Restore-A-Finish. It's surprising how well it blends the former surface to match entirely. And then Michael writes, great show as always, gentlemen. I have to say I do enjoy the inside baseball talk about how the magazine is put together. It reminds me that there's a lot of people working really hard to make it. Oh, and my wife said she was taking a hard pass on the one thing a day challenge. Oh, well, I guess I'll try it in my shop starting May 1st, I think. So with that, John, how about an update on your one throwing away one more item every day? Yeah. Yeah. So update, if this is your first podcast, um, what the challenge is, I started April 1st, uh, get rid of one thing on April 1st, the next day, April 2nd, you get rid of two things and on third, fourth. So we are in the 20s now. So I had to get rid of 20-some things today, and um, they don't have to be big things. They can be little things. Sometimes it's a Band-Aid wrapper you find under your workbench or, you know, an Allen wrench or an odd screw or washer, you know. These things add up. Sure. Uh, but uh, still going strong. I think we could continue this or reboot it again in May and document a little bit better, but... Um, as you caught me today, rehoming some things into our <laughs> hardware bins here at the at the woodsmith shop. Uh, I said when we get this all done, we might be able to do it in our work shops as well and go through this because it's nice just to kind of go through an inventory and see what you got too much of or superfluous things and and whatnot, but. You know, it's helping me even, it, it, like we've mentioned before, it's not all just throwing throwing things away. Some things are donated. Some things are rehomed in their actual spots inside the house um, where they belong. And um, so it helps get organized and just kind of inventory what you got. So still going right. strong, feeling good about it. You know, I'm going to have a clean garage by the time we get this all done and can start all over collecting things again right so i was thinking we should do that like you said we were talking about starting that up here at least on the video studio set 
And I wish I had the opportunity to do a 360 camera rotation of what this room looks like right now. Oh, God, I'm so glad you can't. Because <laughs> we're, we're like mid-construction still. We're doing pretty well, but we collect things around here. And the intermittent nature of our video schedule means that stuff gets started or gets mid-process and then we get moved along to something else and then we have to come back. So there's little piles of just different items in here that could stand to be gone through. I will say I was pretty impressed with Mark in the main shop. He did a pretty thorough cleaning this week and ransacked the scrap lumber bin and cleaned that out. And so the main shop is in good shape. This one I think just suffers mostly cosmetic flaws because of because of the construction although uh one part that you very rarely see on camera or only at a distance is kind of like a built-in hutch storage unit off to the side which is our transitional space let's call it where we'll change bits or find a driver bit or whatever and that that's kind of a catch-all for all kinds of stuff yeah I will say it's kind of funny how many, I mean, you probably could have done several days uh, or early in the month on extra Allen wrenches. Yes. I still have a, <laughs> quite a few that I'm finding in every little nook and cranny. And I have like a two, a full set, at least one full set of metric and, and standard, maybe two. And so I don't know why I keep all these little random Allen wrenches that I get with every toy that needs assembled or Ikea piece of furniture type thing. And they just collect. So I'll say that was going to be my question. Like, do you, when you assemble furniture or everything comes with an Allen wrench, like there has to be like one company in somewhere in Asia that makes 45 million Allen wrenches per hour. Mm -hmm. And they yeah, supply and just the entire, them out. yes. And they entire, they supply the entire furniture world with Allen wrenches. Yep. Do you guys keep those when you get them? Like if you get like a new router or a new tool that has an Allen wrench, do you keep it or do you throw it in the garbage? I try not to, but it's yep. like, I don't know if you get two in a drawer, they start multiplying or, <laughs> or what, but it's like in the junk drawers and every nook and cranny in the garage. I mean, yeah, there's gotta be like this Joe Allen must be like rich. Cause there's some <laughs> extrusion right. machine that's just spitting yeah. out hex extrusions and bending them. And, I think it's self-aware now. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Yeah. No, I sometimes I'll keep the. Need. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll sometimes keep it to assemble the project. But there's even been times where I open up the box and the Allen wrench just immediately goes in the trash, and I get my nice set out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, the only time that I have extra Allen wrenches is for a specific tool. You know, like there's a couple of Allen wrenches that I need for my bandsaw. So I'll mm -hmm. have a couple at the bandsaw so I don't have to go on a search and rescue mission to find Allen wrenches for it. I know the ones that I need are right there. But, I mean, even that, I would... And I was a little disappointed the last time that I was at the various big box stores. I was trying to find, like, a decent set or even just onesie-twosie of a nice T-handle... Allen wrench and I couldn't find mm -hmm. them like just non-existent. Yeah. So I think I, they're I, all I, in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> where they're at. 
I say, Come get them. I buy them out. I buy them at Harbor Freight. Like I love the Harbor Freight T handle ones. Like, oh yeah. I have a set down here. I was set in the garage, um, and yeah, if I ever assemble something and it comes to the Allen wrench, it goes directly in the garbage, and I go get one of the T handle sets. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to do that. Just get myself a Harbor Freight coupon, and mm-hmm. they don't do those do anymore. It. No. No, no, they get rid of their forty percent <laughs> off things, which are or were they twenty percent? Twenty percent off? Twenty percent off? They got rid of those. Hmm. Bring back the coupon. All right, and Logan, you're back from your Vegas trip. I'm gonna give a little update on that. Yeah, uh, so I was supposed to be in Vegas uh, for part business, part personal. I was. A friend of mine and I were going down there to do a uh, kind of a weekend class with um, my buddy Jimmy Clues, um, and it was going to coincide with a friend of his visiting from Ireland, um, and his friend's name is Pat Carroll, and Pat is a, an extremely talented turner, um, probably one of the better turners in the world. Um, so it was going to be an opportune moment to say, hey, let's let's shoot a project or two over there um, there be, they would be turning projects but kind of heavily relying upon the technique or, or particular techniques for each project so it wasn't necessarily a turning project it was a project that was turning but there was a technique that you could pull out and put in different work um, and poor pat got over to the um, airport in dublin in ireland and U.S. immigration denied him access to the U.S. So I don't know if he just got a guy that had a bad morning or whatever. Um, but Pat was not allowed to come over. So, you know, everything was already booked. I already had everything all packed, all the camera gears packed. So uh, Jimmy and I decided to do a couple projects there. Um, I kept him, you know, I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay flight change fees and all that stuff. So, um we ended up shooting a couple turning projects that turned out really nice. Um, and we're going to kind of reschedule, uh, the shoot with Pat for later in the year. Once he, uh, gets a work visa, which ended up being the entire root of the problem. Um, they said, even though he was here for vacation, he needed a work visa because he was doing one magazine shoot with me. So I guess you could say I was the cause of his issues, but you know, um, so, we're going to reschedule that for later this summer, um, but it will work out because I'm going to also do a project with um, a gal by the name of Lupe Nielsen down there. Um, Lupe is a well-known collector uh, and a well-known person in the magic world. Um, she does a lot of magic prop building. Um, her late husband was uh, one of the original, um, I'd say one of the original Las Vegas magicians. Um, so she's very well known for, for doing these magic props. So we are going to, she's going to start working on designing some little magic project that, you know, grandpas can make for their grandkids and stuff. So I think it'll be kind of a fun project. So, so is she a double door too? But (laughs) yes, I think so. (laughs) All right. But yeah, so, and I'm sitting here. And I brought a bunch of stuff back with me from Vegas. I shipped a pallet of wood down there. Um, and I had some of my personal lumber on there and some of my tools and stuff. And on the way home, I just brought it back with me. Um, and I'm sitting here. You probably saw me 
waxing my piece of ebony. So I got it back here. I brought these two chunks of ebony down with me. And when I was down there, I was like, you know what I should do? I bought these from um, Woodpecker. Woodpecker's had a sale on ebony turning blanks and they were really cheap, but they were completely wet. Um, so I bought a couple of them and they're really nice. Uh, they're, there's, they're very, very dark and very nice. Um, but when I got home, I was like, you know what I should do? I should, I should plan off the wax on four sides to let them start to slowly dry. Well, they started to crack. Oh boy. So, yep. Mm -hmm. So I'm like sitting here packing a, packing these cracks full of beeswax, trying to slow down some of this drying and checking and trying not to throw $80 worth of ebony in the garbage. (laughs) It just becomes smaller parts. That's all. Yeah, that's right. It becomes smaller finials then. And you did that here in Iowa. The, you took the wax off here. Not I did, yeah, thing. yeah. There's, yeah. If you see behind me, there's a bunch of yeah. ebony shavings right there where I planed mm. off the outside layer. Whoops, shouldn't have done yeah. that, I guess. Huh. So no, overall it was a good trip. Turned uh, got to, you know, it's it's one of those things. Now I'm um, going down and, and turning with Jimmy, and he said it. He's like, you know how to turn. He's like, I don't have to tell you how to turn. He's like, but the other stuff. It's like, oh hey, let's do some. It, it's more. Now the classes with him are more like advanced design classes rather than like turning fundamentals. So it's like, oh, hey, that shape's really good. Or we can make it a little bit better by moving this curve a little bit. Let's see what that does. So kind of an interesting, different way to um, approach classes. So nice. You also did a lot of I did a lot. Yeah, I did a lot of coloring when I was down there. You also got to experience uh, weather phenomena that you don't really experience here in Iowa. Yeah, we don't usually get dust storms here, but I got to experience my first Las Vegas dust storm, which was pretty cool. Like 55, 60 mile an hour winds blowing the desert into the town. Um, so it's kind of cool. I felt like there was going to be an old Western shootout happen in the streets <laughs> of Las Vegas. So. But yeah, that was kind of fun. So not, I will say this, and I've said this before. I enjoy, I enjoy going down to Las Vegas as long as I stay away from Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that whole touristy casinos. Like that doesn't do anything for me. Like they don't like that. I would much rather if you stay outside of that and you know, you're more residential, like the real, real Las Vegas. It's a it's a pretty cool place. I just I don't like the touristy stuff in anywhere. Not not only Vegas. Anywhere I don't do touristy stuff. So. Yeah. So I would guess that most of the folk that live in Vegas, even the people who end up working in tourist Las Vegas, have a separate local Las Vegas that they do their day to day stuff in. Oh yeah. Oh completely yeah, yeah and it was. It was uh, one of those things where, you know, first couple times I was down there um, talking to Jimmy and his wife. They're like, "We only time we go to Vegas is if we have to pick somebody up, right? Or go go to the strip yeah. is if we have to pick somebody up." So um, when I was down there, I wanted to meet with Lupe and talk to her about you know doing this article, kind of pitch it to her on doing it when I go back down. And I said, "Let's," you know, I told Jimmy and Mary, I was like, "Hey, let's let's take Lupe to dinner. Um, you know, I'll I'll take everybody to dinner." Like they you know, being there halfway for a work trip, it's like, 
they fed me the entire time. So it's like, I can, I can get you guys dinner one night. So I took them all to dinner. Uh, and I said, you know, Mary, bring us to, you know, make reservations wherever, where you remember eating when you were a little girl, you know, back when Vegas wasn't super touristy. So she made us a reservation at some, you know, Las Vegas steakhouse that was, you know, kind of like the OG, uh, OG Las Vegas steakhouse. And it was really good and stuff. So yeah, they, they definitely, I think they definitely have their own Las Vegas. That's not the tourist Las Vegas. So was it golden corral? <laughs> it was, it, yeah, I knew this was familiar. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, yes. All right. One of the things that I wanted to talk about today was uh, inspired a little bit by what John's been doing. And uh, my dad, who I'm pretty sure listens to the show here, he just moved and has been cleaning out his shop and getting rid of stuff, is um, talking about maybe some of the odd stuff that you've come across in your place, John, that mm -hmm. where it's like, this stuff you wouldn't normally think belongs in your shop and yet it does. Mm -hmm. So you had brought, you had mentioned a few things uh, yeah. a couple of days ago when we were talking about yeah. this. I'm trying to think what they were now. Uh, it seems like a lot of like kitchen stuff you'd find in your kitchen ends up in the shop, like toothpicks, mm -hmm. popsicle sticks, um, the little cups from yogurt and fruit, like little, you know, snack-sized fruit that you use to mix epoxy and finishes and that kind of thing. I'm trying to think what else. Um, syringes. Q-tips. You guys have Q-tips yep. in your shop? Q-tips. Definitely good for getting in the little cracks and crevices with glue and finish and yep. whatnot. Um, I actually started ordering the longer ones, like the swabs you ooh. get at the doctor's office. You've been stealing those out of yeah, COVID tests? Were... You like get the free COVID test <laughs> yes, and throw yes, it away. I go and, and take just... COVID tests just to get those. Yeah, <laughs> just like I just wanted the Q-tip, man. So, yeah, yeah. Can I just get the swab off of that? I don't actually need the COVID yeah. test. I just want the swab. Huh. Yeah. So a lot of stuff like that, or sometimes the iron or blow dryer from the laundry room mm -hmm. will end up in the shop. You know, find that useful. So I don't know. What do you guys? I get a lot of ice ice cream containers, like the plastic ice cream tubs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I find a lot of empty or ice cream containers in my shop too, with the spoon still in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh, that's like terrible. Like the the Costco size animal cracker container yes. is my rag right. container. Yes. So I cut up t-shirts and throw it in there. Yeah, I use a. Uh, empty like parmesan cheese shaker and i put all like the yep. uh bent nails and used up razor blades stuff like mm -hmm. that so it doesn't end up in in a car tire or whatnot so i find that pretty useful that was yeah. i think one of a reader tip we got a while back and yeah it's pretty clever mm -hmm. so i know my kids uh for school lunches will pack lunch and so we end up with a ton of these uh like little fruit cups mm-hmm so we have 95,000 empty fruit cups. So I've been bringing a few of them in, like John said, for, you know, dispensing glue or mixing up epoxy when you only need to do a little bit of it. And then uh, mm -hmm. we've also found at uh, Aldi grocery store, they have uh, like a ready to eat 
quinoa bowls, kind of. So they come in slightly larger cups that you can. I'm showing here on the nice. YouTubes. Um, and then they have like a little sauce packet that goes on the top. But these bigger ones are nice for, you know, smaller amounts of finish or, you know, a lot of times, uh, like when we use the general finishes milk paint, you can get a little different effect by thinning it or mixing it with mixing colors to get a custom color. And that's kind of a fun size for that. And then once those kind of build up, I bring a few of them in here and then have a few of them in my home shop. Uh, yeah. You know, I so say, you know, what I, I take those things for is as a turner, I, I keep those for, I don't have a blank sitting here, but casting turning blanks. Oh. Because a lot of guys, a lot of guys will um, make like molds out of the PFTE plastic or cutting boards or something and then cat resin cast in those. And it's like, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> like find a tough, find a little Tupperware container or a, like a you know little yogurt container and you cast it in there and then you just turn the container off when it's right. on the lathe. That's a cool mm -hmm. idea. So, yeah. I know when I would I don't know if you mentioned it John when I went to pick up these cups but you had said something about uh like bamboo skewers too. Oh yeah. Yep, they're good for spreading glue or mixing or uh putting in holes to that where screws have stripped out of the wood, gluing those in and whatnot so i also found in my shop uh a bunch of uh rubber fernco plumbing fittings that i've collected over the years for uh dust collection adapters like to go from you know like my bandsaw to my shop vac or different size ports on the you know like a power sander to shop mm -hmm. vac or whatever and those are kind of fun because it's i mean they're relatively low cost and because the rubber is so squishy you know you can kind of you can get a really decent fit and a, adapt it pretty easily for different things you know, like i have the i have a dust deputy in my shop as the primary dust collector so i use that those fernco fittings to go to make the various connections on on those Sure. You know, one of my favorite things I keep down here is um, I keep a well, I don't have a bunch of them, but I have, always have mason jars floating around. You know, like the the smaller size. They're not they're not the little ones, but they're like this this size. They're like the I don't know cup and a half, two oh, cup yeah. ones like 400 milliliter um, and I like those. And then I did end up with a bunch. I ended up with a bunch of these things from the print shop. And I don't know what they were for, but they are Webrel handy pads. They're lint free, 100% cotton, non-woven like little pads. Like the press operators had these guys back there for something. And these are handy little freaking things to have. So I like when they were getting rid of the box of them, I got like four of these things at one point and I'm down to my last pack. So just kind of stupid little thing that's like, oh, it works really well when you need something that's lint free. Yeah. 
once again thank Shaper Tools. They're sponsoring today's episode. They make the Shaper Origin, that handheld CNC router. I'm sure you've seen it in a variety of places. It adds digital precision to your woodworking. You can do all kinds of stuff with it that gives you both speed and precision, you know, like cabinetry construction, hardware installation, joinery, quite a bit of stuff. You can try it in your shop risk-free for 30 days. Check out shapertools.com to learn more. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other things I just like brought and threw in the drawer. Playing cards are good for shimming, mm-hmm. um, making, you know, minor adjustments. We need to shim things up because I think we end up with a lot of like decks of playing cards with 49 cards in them. And then it's like, what do you do with it? Throw it away. And it's like, no, you bring it in the shop. You can use it for shims. Oh, yeah. Funnels. Oh, yeah, funnels. Yep. yep. Yep, and I always end up stealing them from the kitchen upstairs. So I finally bought a bunch of little, like, I think it was a Not Harbor Freight thing. It's like they had a pack of like a dozen of them for 42 cents. So I got them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm always stealing small measuring cups and teaspoons and like for measuring out and mixing things. So we have a lot of uh, mismatched measuring cups in our kitchen. So probably be good just to buy a set for one for the kitchen and one for the garage shop and not stealing mixing back and forth of food items and chemicals <laughs> you know when you put it through the dishwasher right. it's got to be right. clean it's like why does this taste like burning <laughs> so. yeah yeah measuring spoons are nice even if they're i mean not that I'm looking for a specific measurement. It's just to have ratios mm-hmm. of something or uh, on a lot of my projects, I've been using uh, the powdered uh, Durham's rock hard mm-hmm. water putty okay. for as, as a filler. And you just need something to scoop it out of there. And it doesn't really matter what the specific amount is. So it's nice to have a couple of extra measuring spoons out there. I also have quite a few little scrap pieces of leather that I use for like uh, feet on furniture or chair legs or something like that because I feel like that does a better job of um, creating a a scratch-free leg protector as opposed to like those stupid felt things that just grab onto all the grit in your house and scratch up the floors Mm -hmm. automatically. Yeah. Yeah, I seem to end up with a lot of uh, leftover school supplies too. Like, you know, you send your kid with fresh school supplies at the beginning of every year, and then they bring them back, and you get new ones. So I have a lot of crayons. It seems like when I need, you know, spare wax on something that's not going to show, or colored pencils for uh, when pencil regular pencil doesn't will show up on dark woods. So it's like light colored colored pencils grab mm-hmm. out of the bend and it's a lot of little supplies like that I think I have like three compasses come by mm. that I have from old school supplies that I just use for drawing arcs and circles that mm-hmm. that work just fine Yep, they're great so here's a question that I have that I'm going to pose to you guys and then also to the larger 
listening audience is uh, some of the things that my dad found in cleaning out his shop is uh, a bunch of random brace augers that he's collected over the years because apparently I get it from him where I just can't stand to see some stuff get thrown out. Uh, there's more, a few more that he he's given me. Um, these were the ones that are in the best shape. They're the Irwin pattern with the solid core in the middle. And then several years ago before that, he found uh, a whole set of the Jennings pattern bits in a fun box at a rummage sale. And it's a pretty cool, pretty cool setup. So I have almost a complete set at the half inches in the brace that I'm using for one of the projects for the TV show, but the, uh, I think this is the 13 sixteenths one. Somebody hacked the end off of it. So I'm kind of on the lookout for that just to make a complete set. Although I do like the Irwin ones too, so I'll probably fix up these. But the question that I have is, would you condone somebody from finding you know, said brace augers and hacksawing the tapered shank off to be able to use in hand drills. Is that legitimate or an abomination? If it's going to keep you from throwing them away and not using them, I say do it. Just cut it off. Use it. But that's just me. Yeah, and you know, I... I think in the past I would be in the camp of no, you gotta like that's how the tool was made, and you know we should have more people using brace augers, or braces and brace augers. And now I think I feel like you know there are so many of these bits out there, and they can be very helpful in a powered drill, and in many cases even when dull drill a better hole than a stupid spade bit. For all your spade bit love and hate mail to fill, send your emails to. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, okay, I we were talking about this yesterday, Paul, so I had to grab my set and check them out. And mine are the Irwin set too. Um, okay. Now I think if it, in my opinion, if you have a complete set or a semi-complete set like we have, don't chop them up. Sure. My opinion. If it's a onesie, twosie, right. which I, in one of my drawers, one of my tubs, I have a bunch of them. And, yeah, if it's a mismatch set, go for it. Chop that SOB up. Make an all out yeah. of it. I don't really care. you know. But if it's a, if it's a good complete set... <laughs> Keep it, keep it a good complete set, in my opinion. Right, which, which is why I'm a little miffed at the fact that whoever had this set had a, had a complete mm -hmm. set and still chopped one of them off. You know, I would say, and it's one of those things where if you're not going to use a brace or you don't, you know, that's just not your deal and you find them onesie twosie, even if you end up collecting a whole set and chop them, but you end up using them in your power drill, like more power to you. Those are cool bits. They work really well, you know, go at it. And I think I might do that, you know, since I have a complete set, I would consider, you know, gathering up some other ones 
and sharpening them. They're they're not hard to sharpen at all, and and having them for for a power drill for certain applications, especially you know outdoor projects or something that like I said, I just spade bits have their use, but sometimes it just doesn't need to be you know sometimes a spade bit ends up being so crappy that you might as well just blow a hole with dynamite through something yeah right so so what do you got there wow oh geez (laughs) i I didn't realize i had this many (laughs) i've been so embarrassed now (laughs) but some of them Wow. New old stuff, oh, dude. They're in really great shape. Yeah, but then I have some that are like, you know, like reamers. Like, come on, oh, like a man. Reamed. Oh yeah, that's I make cool. A nice spear. Like, yep. Yeah, I got some spoon bits in there. Like, okay. What the heck? I forgot I had all these. So you know, some you got some of the. Uh, oh, do you have a? Oh. A s- Center bits, yeah. Center bit, or um, I might have bits or whatever. Yeah, I have a couple of different sizes of them bad boys. Some of them are really old because they don't. Well, no, these ones aren't yet that old, but yeah. So it's like if you end up with crap okay. like I have, cut them SOBs up. I do have a couple of these little gimlet bits too. Oh, yep. So nice, yeah. The, okay, you want to know what the dumbest ones I think there are? That's a that's a big one. Uh, like, we're gonna have to bring that in and sharpen up for a video and see how well that works because that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, if you have see the ones that I got from my dad are all rusty. I might have to have you bring in your little box of treasures there, and I can do that. You'd be wi- would you be willing to part with some of those? Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot I had them until I looked, Philip. <laughs> These are the dumbest <laughs> freaking things ever oh, made. Oh yeah. I have two of those, and I thought, that's a great idea. No, they're nope. not. They're dumb. <laughs> I don't know. If anybody has, it's a, I think they're called expansive bits. Um, and yeah. if you've had success with them, I would love to hear from you. This is this is the like, Irwin number, the Irwin number two, it says U.S. of A. That's right, baby. So, U.S. of that's A. That's kind of fun. All the way. I do have a couple of those Jenning bits in here, too, so. It's kind of fun. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'll bring this in, Phil. This is this is so interesting. I forgot I had all this. See, huh. swap meat. I know. Or what about this? Old school meets new school. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, oh boy. We got an auger twist bit. Twist bit. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Or a brace twist bit. I've seen. Uh, I think I saw at one of the Handworks events that they had auger with the tapered shank Forstner bits. Which is kind of curious to me. See, like some of these, some of these bigger gimlets, which to be so I bought, I think I bought, I didn't buy all these at once. I'm going to say I bought all these at once just to make myself feel better. Like it was a lot (laughs) of them. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. But, like, some of these little gimlets um, have lead screws on them, which I did not realize. Oh, yeah. um, I hadn't looked at them that closely, obviously. Um, and I think 
I think I used one of these once. I'm pretty sure I used this one <laughs> to drill in some wall anchors. <laughs> some drywall. Looks like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some of them might be slightly used, but this is cool. All right. This is coming in with me tomorrow. Woohoo! There it is. It's heavy, too, because there's a lot of them in there. Yeah. I also, my dad had a bunch of sharpening stones in there, too, like little dinky ones. I found one that I believe is uh, either a hard or a soft Arkansas stone, because I think it looks, it's kind of gunked up, but I feel like I can see some modeling in the coloring on it, so it's not like a translucent one. It's more of the, um, I don't know, like I said, hard or soft. I'd have to, I think we'll do a video on cleaning those up and resuscitating uh, oil stones. Um, maybe we should do a video on resuscitating auger bits too. I think that would be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You know what that means? That means I'd have to dig through and find my auger bit file. I have one somewhere. I know I do. I just don't know where <laughs> it's at. I'm surprised it's not with my auger bits. You'd think that'd be the logical place. Yeah. To put it should it. be in the tub there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it should it should be in my case. Oh, which yeah. now now that I'm looking at these two sets, I think some of them that are in my tub are better than the ones in my case. So it's like at that point, do you swap just mix them out? And match them? I think I do. Yep. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yep. Because I believe some of mine are probably mix matched too that need to be. Um, I mean, they're all the same style, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. And for all the hand tool nerds out there, cast your vote for what's better, the Jennings pattern or the Irwin pattern. So, can I make my uh, can I make my case for the Irwin pattern? Make it. It's completely. I think it's completely in my head. But I feel like with this central spire going through, if you're watching on YouTube, there's that central shank that goes all the way to the tip. Feel like you get a better, more consistent, or easier to read downward force versus yep versus yeah. the Jennings style, which is a double twist. Now, technically, this probably takes out chips better, <laughs> but I'm not using a brace that fast that chips are going to clog, anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel like I can get a better downwards and perpendicular force with this, or Sure. Maybe it's just a better read on it, you know, because you get that yeah. good central reference versus that guy, which there's kind of an ambiguous center in it. So that's yeah. my case for them. Okay. Yep. I can see that. Yep. So like I said, anybody's got a vote or a, got a horse in the race that they want to make their claim for, I would love to hear about it. We can read the, read comments on it for next week. Uh, on the show notes page, I'm also going to put photos of my router mortising jig that I've been working on. I'm kind of closing in on the final design of it, and I really want to get this done. I've had a few other projects that kind of just came up in a higher priority for me. So I'd like to get this mortising jig wrapped up, and I'd be interested in people's opinion on how to best set the fence or the set the table which will determine the location of the 
mortise on a workpiece because I had a fully adjustable one in my version 1.0 and I'm thinking now that I'll just do it like indexed so one setting will be centering a mortise on three-quarter inch material another one will be and have it just three settings three-quarter one inch material and inch and a half and not deal with any kind of uh, threaded raising and lowering mechanism. The big thing is how do I do that so then I can lock the table in that position easily. So the photos I think on the show notes page will show that pretty clearly what I'm trying to get across. So anybody um, talked to John about this the other day when you were out, Logan, and maybe tomorrow morning I can get, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it too. Mm -hmm. So trying to simplify this thing because it's Yep. As we've talked about in the past, and this is the reason that this project has been lingering for almost a year and a half, is the fact that I want it, I'm trying to go away from being able to do every possible conceivable mortise operation to the 90% operations. So I'm going to ask a question, and it's just a question. Mm -hmm. Bring it. Why an inch material? Because uh, I feel like there's enough times when, you know, we've done projects around here where we actually are using full one inch material. And maybe okay. I'm just deluding myself that it doesn't really matter and just do three quarter and inch and a half. Okay. You know, because if, was... if you think about it, if I, you know, and this is just good machine practice anyway, you know, you mm -hmm. have a reference face and that always goes on the table or against the fence or whatever. Yep. So whether a mortise is centered in one inch thick material or is slightly off center, so long as those two mortises align, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter, I don't think, in terms of strength. No, I agree with you. I was, I was only asking because I think if I was going to say I wanted three thicknesses of material to center mortises on, I, I agree with the three quarter. Okay. I agree with the inch and a half. That center one though, I feel like, and this is just personal for what I build, I feel like I would try to do something where it would create a offset or a shadow line. You know what I mean? So like if you were putting an apron or a rail that's three quarter inch thick onto an inch and a half or two inch leg, oh. you could create a quarter inch offset. Right. That's, that's just kind of, that, I think that's where I would place it. Sure. But I don't know how often I'm thinking, I'm just thinking about it. I don't know how often I would actually do that. Yeah. But you could always True. use shims underneath to adjust that too. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like I could just, you know, slip a piece mm -hmm. of hardboard or something underneath. And speaking of which, where do you buy damn hard tempered hardboard at? Because nowhere around here has it anymore. Like, and I know we've gotten those questions before. Yeah, like um, Menards this, does not have it. Woodsmith store used to it. carry it, yeah. and I haven't checked at the Woodsmith store recently to find tempered hardboard. Um. Yeah, because I know uh, Mark did a seminar today on templates and patterns, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how 
for all pretty much all of his template work, he uses quarter inch MDF. Mm -hmm. Quarter inch or half inch MDF because it's easy to shape and whatever. And I've always preferred hardboard over MDF because hardboard is oddly enough tougher. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, I think it's a, just a better product overall. But for templates and patterns, I can totally see using MDF. Yeah. Yeah, Menards, you can get the stuff that's got the screen pattern yeah, on the, the back. Yeah, the waffle and it's just pattern like on the back, yeah. Terrible. It's, fuzzy. it's so fuzzy. Yeah, like. it's just like mush. So. Yeah. You know what I used last? I think I told you guys this. I had some, I don't, I'm looking around, I don't see it in here. I had some uh, stupid fiberglass sheets from my grandpa's house. Like eighth inch or quarter inch fiberglass. Okay. Now, don't cut it on your bandsaw because it'll be the last thing you cut on that blade. And I made that mistake. <laughs> but if I won't be dang, that thing work that that fiberglass worked like a champ for making. I made uh, I used it to create templates for routing out the handles on my floating knife stands. I did. It okay. freaking worked great. I just. I don't know where to buy it. I'm sure. I'm sure it was one of those things. Like Grandpa probably picked up a bunch of sheets in the '70s, and uh, we have since decided that it's not the most healthy thing for you to work in your shop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right. You can't buy it's it. It's probably anymore. asbestos fiberglass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it probably is. But man, it worked so nice. I, I know it's around here somewhere. I'll probably find it and jump up and grab it in a minute. But all right, you guys got anything project-wise that you're working on? When does construction start for your shop, Logan? Um, so I, uh, I close on my financing on it on Monday. Okay. Um, so in a couple days, um, then I'm just I'm kind of at my builder's uh, at his mercy as far as when it starts. I mean, it's uh, everything from my standpoint is pretty much ready. I do have to I have a lot a lot of lumber I need to move before they start putting anything up. Um, and I have one more walnut tree to take down, but that's just they drop it and chunk it up. And I mean, I can do that in an hour. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of at my builder's mercy. Um, you know, the the most exciting thing I have going on right now, um, besides trying to get this issue of Popwood out, is um, a buddy of mine and I are uh, doing some logging, which is kind of fun. Um, kind of different, you know, instead of instead of harvesting logs and you know, knowing that I'm going to be the one that saws them, we're dropping a bunch of trees. We're hauling them off and stacking them, and we have a couple log buyers lined up to come and buy them. Um, just because wow. there's so many of them, I can't. Yeah, that's it's a weird thing for me, but man, it's it's super exciting because I know now that the log's down and it's graded. So I'm I'm kind of grading them and setting and, and setting them off to the side. You know, like hey, this is a potential veneer log. This is a saw log. This is a firewood log. You know, I'm kind of marking them and stuff. It's kind of sad because I don't have any more work to do with them. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to put them on the sawmill. I don't have to cut them. I don't have to waste blades. I don't have to get the gas. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I still love all that, but you know, I I took off uh, Tuesday, and uh, Sean and I we hauled seventy five walnut logs that day. Wow, um, all ten foot long. I mean, just we have a stack of walnut, so it's kind of cool. We're going through. Um, we're going to sell all the walnut. Um, there's a bunch of pig nut hickory 
um, that we're going to cut. Um, I've never cut pignut hickory before, um, so that will be uh, an interesting one to cut. Um, and there's some bur oaks um, that we're also going to sell. And there are some northern red oaks, which I don't see a whole lot of northern red oak growing around here. Um, even though it's a super common tree, I just don't ever really get it. So I think I'm going to keep a couple of those red oaks and cut those as well. Um, you know, with, uh, with us doing this, it's, it's kind of, kind of cool because Sean's kind of, uh, he's self-employed. So whenever he doesn't have jobs lined up, he's like, I'm just gonna go down and cut. And I'm like, great, cool. You know, uh, if we end up with a bunch of stuff, I would love to buy, this is something I never thought I would say, but I would love to end up with a four-sided molder to be able to make flooring. Okay. Um, it's not something I ever thought I would say. It's like, well, why would I turn that beautiful hardwood into flooring when I could be making projects out of it? You get to a point where you have so much lumber, it's like, what else can I do with it? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I can make flooring out of it. Plus, having a two-sided planer sounds really nice. Right. So, you know, so, so yeah, that's the most exciting thing I have going on right now. Okay. All right, I think that wraps up another episode. Uh, stay tuned next week as we wrap up John's April challenge on getting rid of stuff and see how he does. Uh, also, it'd be interesting to see if any of you are inspired by John's efforts and wanting to jump in on the uh, one-a-day cleanup shop cleanup challenge. It's the perfect time for it, spring cleaning. So uh, also, thanks again to Shaper Tools for sponsoring today's podcast you know they're the ones that make that shaper origin it looks like a handheld router but it's a cnc and adds a lot of precision to your woodworking uh, you'll do all kinds of stuff with from installing hardware cabinetry joinery all that stuff uh, you could try it in your shop for 30 days visit shapertools.com to learn more uh, once again, love to hear your questions, comments, and smart remarks. Send them on our YouTube channel or to woodsmith at woodsmith.com via, via email. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcasts. Bye, everybody. Bye.